All right. Well, hey, everybody. Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to This Week in the News, a co-production of the Daily Evolver, my podcast for years on the evolution of culture, and the Institute for Cultural Evolution, where I'm on the board and uh, doing a lot of cool stuff there and at their publication, The Post-Progressive Post. So I do this every week, uh, Friday, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And um, so today is the 25th, the day after the day that will live in infamy, I think. And that, will, that would be yesterday, February 24th, when Vladimir Putin ordered the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And, oh, uh, God, I mean, how horrible it is war, this thing that has cursed humanity since day one. And it's not like I have, you know, any kind of wrapped up thinking about this. This is all happening in real time, as it is, you know, for everybody, you know. But I thought what I'd try to do here today is, uh, you know, an integral practice. And that is to look at a situation from as many perspectives as you can. And uh, that itself is, that's an end in itself. There's a, uh, a, an expansion of consciousness that happens when you do that, that has to accommodate, you know, different conflicting perspectives. And that's one of the ways we get bigger and we grow and we can contain more. And, um, and that's a good thing. So, um, so first I'd start with, I guess where I am, which is just bombed. I mean, after 75 years of the uh, peace after World War II, uh, a, a, a modern country essentially in terms of, a lot of the center of gravity of both of these countries is modern. Ukraine more so, uh, and we can, we'll unpack that a little bit, uh, but, you know, from, if we're bringing a developmental understanding to this, one of the things we want to start with is just the sensitive self. This is the green meme. This is what Claire Graves said was necessary to make one worthy of being integral. And that is that you feel the pain of the world. And, um, you know, any, especially the suffering of the innocent, you know. And so that's one of the things we want to do. And is is an enormous, um, well, let me just play a little bit of what I've, a couple of things I collected here. This is a shelling uh, from last night of a hospital in Ukraine. Just that sheer brutality of it. This is a mother and child looking at the wreckage of their apartment building. And it goes on and on and on. I mean, this is one of the fruits, I guess, if you will, of the postmodern media environment where everything's filmed, everything is instantly available from a talk about taking perspectives. Oh my God. 
it's just endless. And that's sort of a de facto evolutionary engine that is going on in the world as we take in so much from this. Uh, and, you know, myself as a, one of my interests is the history of war and, you know, these war documentaries and books and, you know, just this suffering of, you know, you see the, 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 the woman uh, on uh, uh, Facebook or wherever I saw it, uh, just where do I go? What do I do? You know, that kind of thing. And um, so, you know, we also want to put it in some context that this is actually an ongoing thing since 19 or since 2014 with the invasion of the Crimea. And there have been in this interim 14,000 people who have died and millions who have fled their homes. And this is, you know, the old uh, bugaboos of war. And the US has done it. It's done it in Afghanistan and other places, drones. And, um, you know, I could argue that there's a, a evolution of warfare that uh, has fewer collateral um, uh, victims, but uh, they're still there. And it's as bad as it ever was for them. And we want to notice that and feel into that because it helps us to not just run away with the rest of the insights. And they're not that great either, actually. So if we look, so that's sort of that green sensitive self. Let's look at the orange, orange rational self and see that you know, this is definitely the end, or, or, or at least the uh, very significant exception to the golden arches principle, which is a principle that Thomas Friedman, the Dean of the Foreign Policy Establishment at the New York Times has called, um, well, it's the golden arches principle, which says that no modern country has ever declared war on another, I'm sorry, no country with a McDonald's has ever declared war on another country with a McDonald's. And so, you know, that this is what is, you know, especially troubling about this because like I said, these are countries that have a lot of modern sensibilities. They're integrated into the modern world in very many ways. We have the, you know, space station with them. We're building the collider with them. We're all cooperating in so many ways. We're connected with this internet, um, even though, you know, it's being controlled and whatever. There's, a, a you know, huge new layers of, you know, modern sensibilities. And this is a breaking that of that. I don't think it's a breakdown of that. I think if anything, modern mores will be strengthened by what happens if we look at a 10 year picture here. Um, because I, I can't imagine that Putin is going to find this uh, worth the trouble, but we'll see. So anyway, the modern world is doing what the modern world does, and that is trying to turn off the, all the spigots, all the connections to Russia, particularly among the you know, inner circle and the Putins and their kids and the money and um, you know, the banking system. And of course, Russia has their modern means too of turning off the energy. And so 
you know, we'll see the war happen, if you will, the sanctions and so forth happening at this level too. And hang on one sec. And of course, there's Russia says that they will, you know, if they're shut out of the West, they'll turn East and they'll work more with China. And, you know, there we have the cooperation of autocracies. And there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of differences between the type of autocracies that Russia and China are at this point. But, you know, China has, you know, moved into, at least in the world of its, the world of technology and, and culture too, in many ways, have moved into the modern world and have become a manufacturing uh, juggernaut. Not so true with Russia. Russia has been saddled with corruption in a way that China's, you know, tried to and has succeeded in uh, cleaning a lot of that up. So, you know, different cultures, different ways of moving forward. But if we get into the, you know, sort of leave the modern rational sensibilities and how the modern world is dealing with this, then we can get into some of the interesting um, earlier stage stuff from the traditional level of blue, um, amber in, in the Wilberian model, the mythic truths. And both of these countries are working to bring back the mythic truths of, in the, the case of Russia, the Russian Orthodox Church, in the case of China, uh, bringing back a reverence for Confucianism. And Xi Jinping is all in on that, greater mother China, the, you know, and same with you know, the motherland of Russia. There's a tweet here I have from Putin that um, he says, for the United States and its allies, this is a policy of containing Russia with obvious geopolitical dividends. For our country, it's a matter of life and death and a matter of our historical future as a nation. It's an interesting statement. He's basically, what he's saying is for the US and the allies, this is policy geopolitical dividends, this is the modern world, you know, you're moving pieces around and the energy and the sanctions and the money. For us, on the other hand, it's a matter of life and death for us Russians. And a matter of, I love this term, our historical future as a nation. And historical future, you know. And I love that actually, because it does have a poetic feeling of the movement of a people and the identity of a people. And that's something that modernity wants to um, analyze away. <laughs> it doesn't know how to deal with it. It ought not know how to deal with it. It's rational. Rationality comes on, it wants to um, uh, blot out the previous stuff. Every stage wants to blot out the previous stage, uh, but you can't. And that's one of the things we're realizing, and that's one of the things we realize as integralists, is that this amber, this blue amber, this mythic truth about a country has to be online. And, uh, and we have to, there has to be a patriotic faithfulness to it for people to be fully fleshed out. And of course, we don't want the, that mythic truth to be 
run of the show because then we end up with you know the most of human history these triumphalist crusades but we do want it and you can't um, explain it away and you know it's um it's it's very much if you think about the american version of it i mean we deify abraham lincoln for keeping the union together and um you know i often marvel at that and I'm all in on Abraham Lincoln. And I mean, if, if, talk about a proto-integral thinker if you read some of his speeches, it's amazing. Um, but he, you know, 2% of the adult population died in the Civil War. You know, that would be the equivalent of, I think, many tens of millions of people in this country if we went to war at that level again. And of course we don't because we are at a higher stage of development and it gets more civilized as you go up, it just does. But again, you know, this idea of the Monroe Doctrine where um, the President Monroe stated out of nothing <laughs> that anything that happens in the Western hemisphere is our business. So this is just the nature of you know, the, the red side, moving into that red side of, of culture where it's just power. I mean, we want to be safe. Uh, we don't want you up against our door. I mean, you can see from Putin's point of view that the Ukraine going more and more to Europe, uh, especially when they have been part of Russia for centuries, um, you know, he's got a thing going about that. And apparently a lot of Russian people agree with it. The other thing I would want to point out is that um, one, one of the things that works for Putin and works in this am blue amber mythic stage, this traditional stage of development, is the universal loathing for postmodern culture for the progressive left, for Western culture. And, um, you know, in a way it's hard to blame them. I have to say, I mean, I get it. I, I just want to share something so we can have a, a, a common frame for conversation here. Something that I swear to God, I did not go out to look for this. Last night I was, I put this Roku up in my kitchen and I wanted to play the surround sound. So I went to the, surround sound part of the Apple library. And there was a song by Nicki Minaj called Doing It To Him. And I played it because I wanted to hear how the sound was. And here's, here's a piece from it. And so have a load of this. This is like 15 seconds, 15, 20 seconds. Couple formulas, little pretty lids on. If I had a dick, I would pull it out and piss on them. Shit, quick, 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 yes, that's uh, you heard it right. It's uh, shitting on them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, can anybody wonder <laughs> why? You know, it's, I mean, the, in the porn and you know, all of the stuff that's floating down from the cloud in the sky that the postmodern world has built over these other countries is very frightening to them. They don't want it. 
you know, I can argue from an integral perspective that, you know, Nicki Minaj's song about pissing on him and ay ay ay, that I can argue that it's actually cultural progress. I actually believe it is. You know, there's uh, culture is deconstructive. Uh, postmodern culture is transgressive. It accesses shadow material. It's an integration of red in a way that's artistic. It's like a horror movie. It's like, you know, heavy metal. Uh, you know, and I, I do think that in the sacred world to come, people will be all kinds of rude, transgressive, juicy, sexy in a way that would be shocking to us. They'll look back at us as the uptight era. But it will be a world in which these bedrocks of civilization and respect and order are online, a more complex order to be sure. But, um, you know, so I can make an argument for Nicki Minaj, but I can't expect somebody at the traditional stage of development or even modern to get it. I mean, just, it's, it's challenging, but again, welcome to uh, evolution. So anyway, I, I remember talking to a Russian friend. There's a lot of Russians and integralists uh, and Ukrainians who are into integral theory. In fact, there was a whole movement in, in uh, the Ukraine that I was aware of at one time. I don't know what's become of you. I hope you're listening. If you are, let me talk to, you know, let me know. Jeff at Daily Evolver. I would uh, love to hear how you're doing, Russian and Ukraine, uh, if you have any, you know, integral thoughts on this. I do remember that at the conference that I went to where there were both Russians and Ukrainians, the sparks were under the surface. They flew occasionally, but for the most part, people handled it by saying, I'm here to talk about theory, not politics. And fair enough. So anyway, I do remember that one of my Russian friends told me that Russia is in the position where it's still trying to install blue, install traditionalism, install people stopping at red lights and following the rules and basic, you know, conventional order. And prior to that, you know, the economy can't work. You know, the corruption is another word for pre-modern economies, you know, in pre-modernity, they work, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch you, your enemy's my enemy, I'll be, you know, a friend, you know, you, it's all kinds of situational um, cooperation. Does anybody really trust anybody? No. Would people take advantage if they could? Yes, and they do. And so, you know, that's the, the, one of the big differences between Russia and China. Uh, and uh, China has its own form of corruption, but, um, you know, it, they don't have quite the uh, level that Putin does. And, and autocrats, there's this category of autocrats that fall into a trap where they have so exploited their country that they kind of got to stay in power or, they're going to face prosecution, backlash, God only knows what, you know, more than one of them have ended up in a spider hole. I'm thinking uh, Hussein and uh, Gaddafi, or two right there, who, uh, you know, ended up and came to bad ends. So there's this autocrat trap. And it's amazing how deluded 
an autocrat can get when they don't get feedback. It's, a, it's amazing how deluded a human being will get if they don't have feedback. And autocrats don't, you know, they don't get good feedback. There was a, there is a, a series on Netflix that I would highly recommend just for the sheer entertainment value, but it's also an important piece of Russian history. It's called The Last Tsar. And it's, I don't know, a couple, it's multiple episodes for sure. And it's this new kind of documentary that I'm loving where it's seriously fleshed out in terms of dramatic scenes and you know screenwriting and costumes and the whole bit. But then there's also experts and there's pictures from the real time and there's a document, it's a documentary. And, um, and this is one of them and it's about the czar, the last czar, Tsar Nicholas II and his wife, Alexandria. This is the, Alexandra, this is the era before the Russian Revolution. So up to 1918, I guess, 1917. And um, the czars, the Romanov family had been czars for a couple hundred years. And they just sort of thought that's the way it was, you know? and that they were put there by God and God would take care of them. And at the same time, people were starving. The secret police, his own secret police were everywhere. His military shot civilians regularly. But, you know, his wife would tell him, you're the people's father, they love you. And I remember the scene where Nicholas and his son, who then of course his son has been raised to be the next czar, He's a young teenager at this point, and they have been exiled, and things are falling all apart all around them, and uh, basically kidnapped is what they were. And, um, and the son asks Tsar Nicholas, if I'm God's choice to be the next Tsar, then why did God let this happen? And Tsar Nicholas's response was great. He said, perhaps God is just testing us. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people go down for the count with God's name on their lips. And, um, and uh, you know, clearly Putin is, you know, I think it's one of the things that is not, I think, given enough emphasis. I'm actually seeing more and more emphasis being given to this, and I'm happy about it in the media, you know, among the commentariat. And that is that Putin is a sincere believer you know, maybe not in God in the way that, you know, golden rule and all that good stuff, but uh, in terms of this spiritual, mystical Russia that needs to be reintegrated and um, protected from the corruption of the West, you know, which I just gave an example of, at least from their perspective. So, um, you know, the autocrat Putin has done the autocrat move, which is to conquer and take territory. And um, boy, I just can't imagine that this is gonna go well for him. And, um, you know, there is that, that you know, when, when people become modern, I remember during the Arab Spring, I did a, a piece on trying to remember his first name. I think his last name was Garub. He was one of the leaders of the Egyptian 
Arab Spring. And he's modern, he worked for Google, you know, he, he was online and all this stuff. And he was interviewed and he said, what it came down to was, I'd rather die than be um, uh, conquered. I'd rather die than live under the thumb of the secret police. I would have rather died. And that's why I was out there and I could have died. And th that's, you know, modernity brings that online. It's very hard to um, subject a modern person to um, tyranny when they're used to having their freedom. So bad luck to you, Putin. I wish you bad luck on this. And um, I don't think you're gonna need it. Anyway, what else did I wanna point out here? Yeah, I copied the lyrics to that song down, but I'm not going to read them to you. Yeah, I mean, if indeed the integral practice is to see into these various worldviews and points of view uh, and become sensitive to the suffering, become rational, more rational, become more mythical, become more juicy and powerful, you know, all of these things become more deeply magical in, in deep community with other people, that whole spiral, we want it to be lit up. Um, the opportunities we have to do that are just endless. I mean, you can watch talk shows in the Ukraine, you can see citizen journalists, you can listen to the smartest people in the world opine on this stuff. And, um, you know, and Putin, they're all talking, everybody, nobody, it's not secret. It's not like the bunker back in World War II where nobody knew what anybody was thinking. Everybody knows, or at least, you know, their, dis, their particular brand of spin or dis, disinformation. It's taking an ever more complex mind to, you know, figure this out and to work with it. But again, welcome to evolution. Uh, I um, see the, uh, I see the, the end of, uh, the, the finite end of my ability to handle the complexity of it, but, that's why we get lifetimes. <laughs> At least one, right? Okay, well, that's it. I think I'm good. And um, I appreciate you joining me. And um, you can check in on my stuff at dailyevolver.com. You can leave a voice message there for me. You can write me at jeff at dailyevolver.com. Check out the Institute for Cultural Evolution. I think they're really doing great stuff under the leadership of Steve McIntosh. In the post progressive post, and I'll be back here next week. Jeff Salzman signing off. See you then. <laughs>